today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. I want to talk about the, the meeting of the minds, so to speak, that took place yesterday. Uh, U.S. President Joe Biden uh, with a teleconference, so to speak, a Zoom meeting with uh, President uh, Boris Yeltsin. Or not Yeltsin, where am I going back in history? I'm just looking at the history books here. We're talking about Vladimir Putin, of course. Interesting. It's all about perspective, right? As it usually is uh, when the the Russian leader and the U.S. leader meet. Uh, the Kremlin has released a readout of uh, the call between the president and uh, and Putin. Uh, and well, if you're to listen to this report here right now, the call went one way, according uh, to what Mr. Putin had to say here, and uh, to talk about uh, the assertion that Russia has made for quite some time right now uh, that that uh, there's a possible invasion of Ukraine or maybe even by Ukraine. Patrick Reeville has some details for us. The statement released by the Kremlin, like the White House's statement, has given little indication whether the call between President Biden and Vladimir Putin might now help de-escalate the crisis around Ukraine. The Kremlin said Putin blamed NATO and Ukraine for the tensions, but it said it would continue discussions with the White House. It means it's very hard to say whether the threat of Russian invasion into Ukraine will now recede, but equally there's no indication either that it is now closer following the call. Patrick Reval, ABC News, in eastern Ukraine. Uh, much different perspective, I guess, if you listen to the, the U.S. version of what ha- happened there and what's happening in Ukraine right now. Trying to start through all this, so pleased to welcome back to the program Brian J. Karam. Brian, of course, is the political commentator for CNN. He's a columnist for Salon.com and the Washington Diplomat and host of a great podcast called Just Ask the Question. Want to know what's going on in U.S. politics? Uh, check out that podcast. Brian, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for the time today. Uh, thanks for uh, inviting me. Always a pleasure to be here. What's the deal with the with the the, the Putin and, and and Biden meeting? Uh, you know, the, they've been looking at each other. There's a concern about this. Uh, there's always been a concern, I guess, ever since last year's election, uh, about the relationship between Russia and the United States, uh, and especially between these two. And uh, you know, Biden's talked the talk about trying to play hardball with it. Did you get the impression that that meeting yesterday was more along those same lines? Well, it, it depends. You know, it's interesting. Depends on which side you listen to. Uh, after the uh, telephone call, which lasted two hours, so you know it was substantial. They just didn't pick up the phone and go, "Hey, how you doing? How's the wife and kids?" I mean, they they talked about some serious issues for two hours, and then Putin released a, a, a video snippet uh, via Russian television, uh, showing them talking to each other amicably, and said they discussed. Uh, several issues and even joked a little bit, didn't say whether or not they were joking about Donald Trump, but one can infer that. Uh, and then <laughs> you, then you get the, 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 what you get from the U S side was uh, Jake Sullivan saying it was a useful conversation. I think the most telling thing is uh, what you had in your report before you were um, Russia said it will continue to talk to the United States and move forward. So Nothing is is I, I, I don't think it, I think when Biden says he hasn't made up his mind yet or Putin hasn't made up his mind yet, whether or not to invade uh, further into Ukraine, I think that might be right. And uh, any time that you get two world leaders talking for two hours, I think that's a that's a good thing. So uh, hopefully it will. I, I did ask the question yesterday of, of Sullivan. I said, do you think the world is a safer place or a less safe place after uh, the conversation, he said, well, you know, it's pretty much going to be up to uh, Putin and uh, we're we're ready to react in whatever uh, manner we think we have to react. And so that's while that's not, you know, a, a blanket. Yay, yay, yay. We did OK statement. It is an indication that uh, perhaps 
uh, tensions are less now than they were uh, before the phone call. But, you know, like uh, Biden said, they're prepared to move in any direction they have to. And it's going to be the wild card in all of this is is Putin. And he says that what he wants is a guarantee that Ukraine won't join NATO, which is a, a you know legitimate concern for Russia, I suppose. And and uh, Biden is returned by saying it's a non-starter issue. Let's talk. So we'll see. And, and you're right. He, he's kind of throwing the ball back in Putin's lap here and saying it's how you guys are going to respond. Uh, that the tone of that response, and I guess the you know the content of that response is going to be pretty key here, isn't it? I, I mean, you know, the, the Ukraine foreign minister, as you guys uh, reported over the weekend, Brian, simply said, "Look, we want more troops." Uh, we want Canadian troops, UK troops, and certainly right. American troops on the border so the Russians can see them. And Putin has said, you do that, and you've crossed the line, and there will be consequences. Uh, do you think that, now, of course, we don't know everything that was talked about during, during that two-hour call. Did they talk about those consequences, and what if, and, you know, are we going to see uh, an increase in troops and, and, and actually, you know, military materials, which is what Ukraine's asking for? Well, they said um, prior to the uh, this conversation, there was a background conversation with a senior White House official who said, look, Biden will obviously raise our concerns with Russia's military buildup and plans with respect to Ukraine. The agenda will also cover a number of other critical issues, and we remain uh, ready to do what we have to do. Now, whether or not that's placing uh, troops on the border, he has talked more about specific um economic sanctions against uh, Russia and informed Putin that they are willing to do today what Obama wasn't willing to do in 2014 without ever spelling out what those uh, actually were. He did not take anything off the table, but um, I think their first reaction is going to be, um, you know, sanctions economically. And those economic sanctions if they're tough on Russia, that Russia says that's a non-starter, that there's already been sanctions. So, you know, we'll do what we got to do. So it it really is a question of who's going to blink, you know, who's going to blink first. And um, Biden has remained stalwart in his uh, uh, and very adamant in what he thinks should be done. And he hasn't he hasn't bowed. Um, so that would be an indication that, you know, if you're going to play chicken with Biden, you better have a, you know, you better be prepared for a, a, a train wreck. So I, I think that's going to give um, Putin cause and, and cause to pause and reassess. But we'll see. I don't know where it ends. And I, I don't think anybody can accurately, um, you know, d- tell anyone how it's going to end. And I don't think Biden knows how it's going to end. Has there been any conversation over the last couple of days, uh, though, Brian, about uh, the NATO response to this? I mean, certainly I, you're right. I mean, Biden's been pretty consistent about what he says. I mean, he's, he says, we got Ukraine's back no matter what. Uh, right. We're going to be there. Not, we, but we also know, though, that, I mean, two of the other major partners in NATO, uh, specifically France and Germany, uh, do business with the Russians and with Putin. And, and they're a little hesitant to, to, to actually bring the hammer down on, on Putin because they're concerned about uh, this. And now I know that Biden had some conversations uh, with both countries uh, about that, uh, the, the pipeline that was going through there. And they basically said, look, you guys have put a pause on that until we get this thing resolved. So he seems to have some sway over those two governments right now. Uh, it kind of looks like uh, the United States is going to have to be the big dog for NATO here in this situation. Well, that's kind of traditionally been the U.S. role, except when yeah. Trump was around. So that's not an unusual role for the United States to lead NATO. Uh, what has what's different? What 
What's different in this equation now, as as opposed to year a year ago, is the fact that it's President Biden and not President Trump. So you've got a guy with many, many years of government experience, many, many years of dealing with uh, Russia, many years dealing on an international scale with leaders who knows what he's talking about. And Biden, I would say that what Biden and uh, and Putin, if nothing else, accomplished yesterday was an understanding of where each team or each country stands where each leader stands. And that's uh, and Biden, you know, has already taken the temperature of, of, of Putin many times over the years and Putin of Biden. So I think that together they had to come to an understanding that, you know, they were serious that things are going to have to proceed. I don't think anybody wants to see a, a hot shooting war come out of this. And uh it would benefit no one and it would be it would put the whole globe in a catastrophic, potentially catastrophic place. So I, that's, you know, a worst case scenario that I don't think anyone wants to consider. So what do you walk back from that? You guys, all right, total conflagration, partial conf, conflagration. Now what? So it's got to be if, as they work through it, you hope that calmer heads and cooler reasoning will prevail. And a, a year after, you know, um, Biden taking office, more or less, it's uh, a settling down of the of the U.S. resolve and knowing where we stand and what we're doing that I think this telephone conversation helped to outline and illustrate for Putin. And, and as you say, we're going to see how Putin responds and reacts to this. Uh, you, you're right. It's one of these things where one foot over the line into Ukraine, and I, I'm sure there's going to the hammer's going to come down as to how it's going to be happening. But and I know that some people have already criticized the the administration, uh, Brian, as, as you guys have been reporting it, saying, "Well, that's you know, you know, sanctions. I mean, come on, sanctions work against Russia, and they are working against Russia. I mean, yeah, you, you talk about quality of life and the economic instability in Russia right now." Uh, and and they know that they're hurting, and I know Putin knows that too. So I mean, he he may put on a brave face and say, "Well, you may you may not do that," but uh, uh, let's face it, he's Putin's power is only as strong as as the oligarchs allow it to be. If they start hurting economically, uh, somebody's going to pay the price. Yeah, and he has stayed in office by keeping the oligarchs happy. And the criticism that you talk about uh, <laughs> comes from a, a side of the bench of you know. The, the Trump side of the bench. And let me tell you how how inconsequential that criticism is. While Biden was discussing grave matters of international importance with a former KGB officer and current autocratic ruler of Russia, our former president, Donald Trump, at the same time was sending out emails to his loyal followers, offering them Trump wine glasses as Christmas gifts for a very affordable price if they'll just donate some money to his cause. So you have to take what the criticism that comes from Trump and his minions with a big grain of salt because they don't know what the hell they're talking about. And uh, Biden has an advantage over the former president and most members of the GOP. And as a matter of fact, most members of his own party in the fact that he's been dealing on the international stage for many, many years. So, you know, I, I, I'll criticize Biden where he, he needs the criticism. But when it comes to dealing with Putin, you kind of have to give him uh, at least credit for knowing what, what he's doing, which is a lot more than, than our previous president. 
I, I got to pivot very quickly. I got a couple of minutes left here, Brian. Sure. Uh, kudos to, to the Biden administration earlier this week, of course, for taking a stand. We already know uh, because he's, again, been very consistent about his criticism of China and, and, and human rights violations and, and Chinese foreign policy, frankly. Uh, the fact that the, the Biden administration came out and said there will be a diplomatic boycott of the Beijing Olympics. Uh, uh, the UK has followed suit. Boris Johnson made an announcement this morning. Uh, Australia and New Zealand have followed uh, the U.S. lead on this. We're told that uh, the Prime Minister Trudeau is going to make some sort of an announcement. I don't know what takes him so long to get his mind made up, but uh, we're going to hear about that <laughs> later on today. Uh, and it's a big deal because, uh, as you've talked about before, Chinese governments don't like to be embarrassed. And and to have the VIP box empty of any diplomats during the Olympics uh, is obviously it's ruffling their feathers. I mean, they've already initially, I, I think you reported, they said, well, who cares as long as the athletes show up? Apparently they do care because 24 hours later, they started throwing all sorts of darts at the, at the Biden administration for playing politics with sports. So this is this is this is a sore point for them. Of course it is. And the embarrassment you're, you point to the correct thing is that you could have taken the athletes out and Biden didn't want to punish our athletes. And it also would make a different statement. We boycotted the uh, Olympics in Moscow. So mm -hmm. uh, it with, with China, it's the appearance, it's the VIP box being on, you know, being empty. And it's the fact that, well, look, we're going to send our athletes and kick your butt, but, but we're not going to talk to you. That's kind of an embarrassment for them. So they, they have to come back and, 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 and hit back at the U S it's interesting how that, how that played out. It's going to be interesting to see how it does play out. They threatened to boycott the uh, LA Olympics uh, in 20, what, 2028 or whatever. And so that could be a, a, a fallout as well, but the U.S. really doesn't care if the diplomats from China don't show up, just on the athletes. So it, it's, it is, when you see Biden reacting, it's that nuance of how to react on an international front that is most comforting, should be most comforting for the world, and definitely for the U.S. compared to what we went through over the last four years. Yeah, and, and contrary, to, as you say, to some of the criticism from the Republicans already, uh, it's it's not a watered-down response. I mean, it's it's a pretty effective response, I think, that's really uh, got the ire of the Chinese government and, uh, you know, and, and at the same time not punishing athletes. So it seems to be a win-win for them, and we'll see just what our prime minister is going to announce later on today. Uh, I do know that uh, you're the new ambassador, the new American ambassador to Canada, David Cohen, uh, got his, uh, his papers and, I guess, his orders uh, yesterday and it showed up at Ottawa. And he already said he expects Canada to follow suit, too, because he says, look, this is really what Trudeau said six months ago. And this is what Mr. Bri President Biden's done. So why not? Uh, so we'll see exactly what's going to happen. Uh, as we mentioned, Brian, always a pleasure to have you on the program. Uh, we, uh, again, remind our listeners, if you want to find out what's going on with the U.S. politics, uh, the podcast is called Just Ask the Question. Always some great guests and great conversation. Uh, thanks again, Brian. We'll talk again soon, I hope. Sounds great. I'd love to. Thanks. Take care. Brian J. Karam, of course, uh, you see him on CNN, uh, you read him in salon.com, and of course, hear him on the podcast, just ask the question. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.